This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, you win. Order now on the McDonald's app. You can also get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Back of the chest. (coughs) Coronavirus self-isolation podcast. Hello and welcome to Back of the Chest, the lockdown sessions. I'm Chris Hambling, and as we once again wage our campaign against boredom by staying connected to Palace, broadly speaking, we'll meet the panel after this short message. No paywall, no subscription. Back of the Nest. Fan-created podcasts, videos and articles. Free forever. Right, with me today, I have Mr. Mike Scott. Hello, all. Ooh, and we also have Patrick O'Connor. Hello, hello, hello. It's a sinister police greeting, that one, but we'll we'll leave that where it is. Um, look, I've got a couple of things to talk about, um, it, uh, but I, I want to start with you because, well, Patrick, I'll start with you because you were talking about the fact you actually went and played golf, which I was extremely jealous of. Uh, the golf courses are open. Yeah, um, at the beginning of the lockout in America, they closed them all and then they phased them then they opened them up in the beginning saying that you could social distance playing golf and then people got upset and they closed them, but they reopened them about a week ago. So I had not played in quite a while. So I usually played a bunch of friends, really good friends on the weekend. And we went out, played yesterday, um, five hour round, but of course it was in great shape because no one's played it for about two months. And it was, it was nice to get out and just get some fresh air yesterday. It was a really nice day. One of the best days we've had all year. So it was, it was nice to get out and play. Yeah, man, really, really jealous. I mean, I, I haven't played golf in a long time. And I think it's one of those things I've seen a few videos of people playing golf, actually, funnily enough, to the level that I play so terribly. It's a really great YouTube series with uh, two comedians, John Robbins and uh, Alex Horn, who've got a YouTube channel called Bad Golf. And it's just fantastic to watch because they every now and then they pull out a great shot or a great putt, like you do when you play golf, um, even to a to a very low standard, but then every now and then they just ping one off into the trees and constantly have <laughs> yes. to dig themselves out of bunkers. And it's actually, it's it's real golf, if you know what I mean. You're Absolutely. too good, to be fair, Patrick. I've seen some of your scores and it's unacceptable. <laughs> anyway, um, but yeah, I, I started sort of getting that, that hankering to go play. But as I was saying pre-show, I, the, you know, Mike was saying that the driving range is enclosed and, and I've got to spend months there to even get any kind of form back. Otherwise, 
you know, I waste my own time and everybody else's as they're trying desperately to play through the holes I'm on. So, um, but Mike, you then revealed that you had a, a specific reason why you no longer play golf. Yeah, I mean, I'm pretty lanky, so um, I think the back would have ended that anyway. But um, I used to play when I was teenager um, with schoolmates at Oaks Park. Like we came from Wellington. If you know that side, if you come out of Croydon towards Sutton, um, I used to go up there and it was pretty cheap. Um, driving range in an evening, but sometimes we played nine and occasionally even 18 holes. Um, but often you were either stuck behind a large party or you were the large party and you were trying to play through. So I'd driven and I'd walked off to get, find my ball. Um, and my mate Rich, <clears throat> well, let's call him an associate now. Um, <laughs> I still, unfortunately, good friends with him. Um, but he uh, he drove, um, and I, I don't know, it was probably about the fourth or fifth hole. Um, nice little hill. Um, I was just looking well, back towards the the tee and just saw this ball coming towards me, twatted me square in the chest. Um, <laughs> I, I was down on the floor. I didn't quite know what had happened. Um, I'm bearing in mind that a few weeks before, I'd actually um, I'd sliced off from the tee, uh, sort of 45 degree angle into my mate Johnny's leg. Um and he was just straight down on the floor. He was about, I don't know, two, three yards away. I just heard this, fuck! And then he just it just fell to the floor. Like, when he got up, there was just this leg with a crevice in it. Um, so he, he'd already, he'd followed me up. So I was on the floor. He was standing over me laughing. Um, and then slowly, you know, Rich came towards us and a couple of other people that we were playing with. So all of them just standing around me, pointing and laughing. No sympathy whatsoever. Uh, and there's me thinking that if I'd have had the ball, you know, probably a foot higher or, you know, maybe straight into my heart, I'd probably be dead. Uh, no one had any sympathy whatsoever. And I thought, sod this, I have to drag my... I, I don't get one of those nice little trolleys for, for, for my clubs. Uh, I certainly haven't got um, one of those cool things that you drive around on. Why am I doing this? Gave up, haven't played since. I think... <laughs> Sorry for laughing, but I'm very late to golf. I've been playing about 10 years, but only five years since. I've never, ever been hit by a ball on a golf course, ever, which I find out to be amazing, as Mike just told the great great story ever. I mean, I've not been hit on the course, but I mean, I've I've done that thing, which is the worst, if a packed driving range, where you slice it so badly that it goes against the, the side and then comes and hits you that way. (laughs) <laughs> uh, and I've also got so under a ball, it's gone up and hit the roof and come back and hit me. Uh, oh, yeah, so yeah, yeah. So I've done those things. And um, also the, the things that you drive around in, golf buggies, that's what they're called. Um, I've uh, I've driven, I've, 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 I've rolled one of those um, at a work golf thing. Um, we used to play sales versus everybody else. And the sales team, as you'd expect, spend most of their time on the golf course. So they're usually pretty good. But... I was getting a little overconfident because I'd had a couple of good good shots. I actually won closest to the pin challenge on a par three, um, which which I was very excited about. And um, yeah, but I got a little overexcited in a big rainstorm, and um, I was going around with a, with a mate of mine who it's just a bad influence on me anyway, or I'm a bad influence on him or something. And yeah, we tried to uh, we just we deliberately went for it like a slide across a hill, but like properly rolled it like down down this hill. So 
good times. Um, but golf, golf is a lot of fun. Um, uh, but it's also infuriating as well. But, um, so mo- moving on from golf, I've had, I've had two major things this week in terms of discussions, which have shown how little I've actually done. Um, and the first was a discussion that I had today where in one of my WhatsApp groups, not relating to Back of the Nest, I'm sorry. I'm sorry I talk to other people sometimes. Um, Lucy, formerly of Back of the Nest, so there is a connection, identified that one of the group, Steve, and I'm going to, call, I'm going to give his full name, Steve Brown, um, had tweeted to someone that he puts barbecue sauce on a roast dinner. I've met Steve. I'm not surprised. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's a sort of thing that he would do. He is that person. But I mean, it was in a discussion where someone was was saying they put ketchup in a roast dinner, and I know a, a handful of people that do that, and it isn't acceptable. Um, but barbecue sauce is a hate crime. There is no two ways about it. Um, and I am massively missing roast dinners because I don't like to cook them for myself too much because they take ages to cook and I don't really enjoy it afterwards. So I had that regular routine of going to see the parents either on a, every other Sunday or, or something and my mum will cook a nice roast dinner. I can't do that at the moment, so I, I massively miss them. And then to see someone write something like that, uh, you know, I've I've not really recovered. I'm still angry about it now. I know that my opinion's probably void in ninety nine percent of people's opinion in that I don't uh I don't eat the vast majority of the items that you'd have in a traditional roast dinner. Um I miss I think one of the foods I miss most of my dietary choices is Yorkshire pudding. Obviously kind of that, but then that's not necessarily in a traditional um Sunday roast for people. But it's fine if you have beef, fine. Absolutely fine. Um I I absolutely do when I when I have what I'd call a version of a roast dinner, uh, have some ketchup on there. So um, that probably makes my opinion even less valid, but it certainly has hot sauce on it as well. Right. I mean, this is the first and a long line of things during this show that you're going to upset people in, and mainly me. Uh, look, fine. I mean, if that's what you do, but you don't have proper roast dinners because, you know, of your your choices. And they're your own choices, and you have to live with that. You have to be that person. And Smash support- a nut cutlet, though, I tell you. <laughs> you do yeah yeah lovely nut roasts and yeah but look i respect your your dietary choices that's fine i don't respect ketchup on a roast dinner under any circumstances but at least it isn't barbecue sauce i fail to see any justification for that patrick do you have roast dinners yes you do would you even dream of putting such a thing on the roast dinner please tell me when i was a child honestly yes never as an adult ever never just wouldn't wouldn't dream of it no, it's a it's a savoury thing, isn't it? You don't put sweet on it. That's why I won't have cranberry sauce at Christmas. Get rid of it, it's sweet. Whoa, 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 whoa! I mean, what apple sauce with pork—that's okay. That's cranberry sauce yeah. with turkey, never. God no, no. Oh my god, there's something wrong with you. Oh, this is going to get deep. Um, no, look, you know, cheese sauce on leeks, or or maybe cauliflower cheese. That's okay. I'm all right with that. Um, you know, like I say, mustard if you got beef um, or uh, fake beef. If you don't eat meat um but yeah yeah well look, i'm gonna leave that behind and but do get in touch you know you can get in touch with us on on the socials um on instagram twitter facebook youtube we're back of the nest um yeah just just search back of the nest you'll find us or email us hi at back of the nest.com uh, you can also contact us there and at some point when we work out how to use tiktok we're on there as well um, and whilst I'm whilst I'm talking about it, might as well mention the uh, iTunes slash podcast review, uh, app reviews. Get those in five stars, please. Spread the word. Um, but I also want to divert to 
another thing that's been massively occupying not just me but a number of the back of the nest crew and it really is reflective of how much we're missing football and i'll talk to patrick a little bit about it but first i just want to get mike's view on football manager 2020 and how you felt the um, particularly the back of the nest whatsapp group has been going the last few days i felt like an outcast christopher uh I, I would I would look at my phone, I'd have 78 notifications, of which about two from other chats would be worth reading, and then 76 <laughs> messages between you, Terence, and various other people about the minutiae of football manager, of which I just scroll down because I don't have the game. Um, I'm not going to get the game because I know I'll just end up losing myself in a, a, a hole of football manager at the expense of looking after my kids, my new job, or any other thing. <laughs> So um, it's been no consequence whatsoever. And the back of the Nish main chat WhatsApp has been hijacked by what I would call uh, you elitist football manager people. Well, I did notice you'd, you'd change the name of the group to Football Manager 2020 chat plus 2% back of the nest. Mikey and I immediately decided we need to get that 2% down as quickly as possible because that's too much other chat. Um, but Patrick, you've been uh, threatening to get the game and I, I said I'd talk to you a little bit about about what it's like. So, you're, I mean, your your concern immediately was that you know you do get addicted to certain things like this kind of stuff, and is that's a legitimate concern, right? Yeah, um, I've I've got a, a type A very addictive personality. To anything I ever do, it's helped me in a lot of things in life, and it's really hurt me in other things. And I I fear, I truly fear that if I get involved in a game like this, I would never stop playing. Because remember, we have to understand we are on lockdown. So I don't like to leave the house and go do something else. I'd basically be on that game for 23 of 24 hours a day. And, you know, I'd want to win at all costs. You know, my personality, I hate to lose. And I would just do <laughs> things that would absolutely be maniacal. So I'm definitely afraid. So it's so not me... a money issue. It's just honestly, it's, a, it's an addictive personality issue. Well, why don't we shed some light on what it will be like uh, were you to get this? And uh, first of all, I will preface this by saying you would, you would absolutely love the game for the majority of the time because it's right up your street you know it rewards effort you know and and it sort of gives you especially as you might mention we're in lockdown it's given the reason we've all become so addicted to it at the moment is because it's you can immerse yourself in it plus it gives you that real kind of football hit if you like so when you're so particularly so if you appoint yourself as palace manager which you obviously would certainly do the first time you play it you still you have that that when your team concede a goal you get angry, when you score a goal you celebrate, and the whole the whole thing just starts meaning so much to you. And even though you know it's a game, you know you end up sitting there. I haven't done this. There was a story about someone saying that their boyfriend or whatever was um, was playing Football Manager and got to a cup final and then changed all the game settings so they could watch the ninety minutes dressed in a suit. <laughs> <laughs> and it just went through the whole cup final like that, which I love, but I just could never do. I just could never bring myself to do that. But, you know, I mean, I, I have to admit, I've not been this addicted to a, a football manager game since in my teens. Um, yesterday, I played it all yesterday. I woke up at seven this morning, not with the intention of playing it, but usually what happened is I wake up at seven, you know, get a drink of water, go back to bed, something like that. But, I just had this nagging, like oh, you could just you could just go and play football manager, and I played it from about twenty past seven this morning, right up to when we started recording this show, to the point where I was renewing some staff contracts just as we started recording. <laughs> so um, I have a 
an incredibly bad headache because I've been staring at a screen for nearly two days. So look, it is a problem. Um, but you know, like I say, it definitely scratches that itch, and 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 it's it's certainly, you know, Mikey's been having a hard time of it after after getting getting on really well early days. Terence has just bought it and is uh is getting massively into it. Um, I think Heskiff uh, has either bought it or is talking of buying it. Yeah, it's um very compelling. So a couple of questions now that you've done that. Um, can I play as someone else? Like, can I be Alex Ferguson, you know, a real manager for for one, as supposed to be myself? So in the beginning, you could you would have to create your character and call okay. him Alex Ferguson or whatever. So you can take over any club you like, or you can start unemployed and then apply for jobs. And you can your manager skills. You can set you do like some presets, so you can say you're a former international footballer or you can say that you've never played football in your life and you've got no idea to coach and obviously okay. that makes it easier or harder so next question um the game time i noticed you guys put a lot of uh video edits or highlights sorry into the chat so like fifa you know fifa's a 90 minute game can last whatever 20 minutes to play how long did the actual games like last when you are watching or whatever managing it so you have you have control over that in the sense oh, okay. that you can you can select to watch like key highlights only, in which case the game can go really quickly, or you can watch no highlights and just have the text scroll and it will probably score. finish a game in about sort of two, three minutes. Or, but you then can get extended highlights or you can watch the whole damn thing if you're that, that inclined. So what do you typically do when they get to the season quickly? Just I guess you just do highlights mostly? Or do you go... Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. I, go ex- I go extended highlights because it gives you that chance to make changes when your team are letting you down. Mike, you still uh, you still there? You still with us? You all right? <laughs> didn't even, didn't I'm, even joking. I'm joking <laughs> we better move on we better move That's on fine. but yeah, yeah. i mean Gee. definitely i have to be I've, you know serious point it, it genuinely has given me that little bit of uh relief from missing football um i'm on the it. point where um yeah it's a point where yeah, yeah I've, I've now started getting angry about it again Anyway, so just a quick word for our sponsors, Pitch Sport Football. Uh, do Google Pitch Sport Football, download the app and join us on there. Um, there'll be much, much more content, obviously, when there is some football back, and we'll be talking about the likelihood of that later on. But before we go any further, it's definitely quiz time. As ever, the quiz master slash quiz mistress. I don't know which is correct. Uh, it's hard to know in this modern world. You know, gender is a construct. Um, but it's, of course, producer Sam. Hello, Sam. Hello. Right. Are you ready for another tenuously linked Crystal Palace quiz? Never been yeah. more ready in my life. <laughs> Good. So this week's theme is Back of the Nest Listens to Music, as requested by Patrick. Cheers. Possibly in a joking manner. <laughs> but now it's a reality. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Hooray. Right, let's do this. So, let's do this. Question one. Glad All Over is famously associated with Crystal Palace. It was released in 1964. But what position did it reach in the US Billboard Hot 100? Fifth, sixth, seventh or eighth? Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> be one of these, is it? I mean, Mikey won by guessing last week. One of those again, isn't it? Yep, very much so. Oh, this one's just one everyone knows, though, isn't it? What? (laughs) (laughs) 
It uh, was a false oh, okay. stick. <laughs> you're going to pause so we don't go to the next question so I can just dissect this a little bit. Uh, hold on, hold on. So so Mikey says he didn't see the answers and then <laughs> stunningly right. got this right. <laughs> well, there we go. I mean, I, I took a punt somewhere in the middle. I was going to go sixth or seventh and uh, I went for sixth and I, I got it correct. Um, how did you do, Mike? Uh, I went for eighth because uh, I don't particularly like that song. Um <laughs> Sorry, I didn't say that. I didn't say that. Whoa. <laughs> Whoa. And Patrick, what was your thinking? Somewhere in the middle, but you went for the other one? Correct. But remember, I also was around when it actually came out for the first time almost. Yeah, about so, 33. At the palace song, so, and what, what did that get me? Zero points. You but Anyway, on we go. It's a good start. <laughs> Question two. Glad All Over, the 1990 version, was featured on the 2018 TV show Football's <laughs> 47 Best Worst Songs due to the cringeworthy video. Where did it fall in the countdown? 47, 34, 23 or 16? I've, I've picked one, but I regret my choice because of how bad it was and where it should it should, it should definitely be the, the highest possible option. And let's see if I get caught out. It was 34, oh, which nobody got. None um, of us got that. And I did watch virtually the whole show in order to ascertain that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, well uh, I mean, that was the only reason you watched the whole show, or did you get sort of into it? Uh, yeah, it becomes kind of obsessive after a while, doesn't it? Do you remember what number one was? No, I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> that, it's like sinister time to that, so let's move on. Dark time for me this week. Uh, right, question three then. Selhurst Park features in a memoir in the biography of which musician? <laughs> Stop laughing. These are good questions. Michael Bradley from The Undertones, My Life as an Undertone. Paul McCartney from The Beatles, Many Years From Now. Keith Richards from The Rolling Stones, Life. Or Peter Andre, My Story. Now, <clears throat> I don't know this, but somewhere in the back of my mind, it made me click on something that I might have read. It was wrong. <laughs> <laughs> this um, is going well. Really can, I, can I just say, hmm. no, no one went for Michael Bradley the undertones, my life as an undertone. And I suspect that's because that zero is the exact number of people who read that book. Uh, and now one. <laughs> now, now one. Sorry, yeah. God bless <laughs> you, you read one part. It was, a, it was a, a, a very fond memoir about when they were um, supporting Peter Gabriel for a charity gig in the 1980s. Was just... Can I just say, Nick would be really unhappy if you were if you were dogging on the undertones. I mean, yeah. out of out of the first generation punk bands like seventy seven punk, I'm I've never been a huge fan. I'm not old enough, and and it's not fast enough or heavy enough for me. But the undertones are excellent bands. I just I'm really shocked at that because as far as I remember, they're from like Londonderry or something, aren't they? So um, yeah, it's quite quite surprised that they've appeared in there. But then you have got Paul McCartney from Liverpool, Peter Andre's Australian, so I went with Keith Richards, but. Yeah, I mean, I gotta say, I, w I don't have a problem with the Undertones as a band at all. It was more the fact that I just think it's it's very niche, isn't it? You know, that's that's all I was getting at. It's very niche. Yeah, it's it's not even Fergal Sharkey's biography. It's no, no. Guy. 
And I had to say that when I saw Peter Andre, my story in there, that was 100% Sam Clacker. That was, it was no, <laughs> that was, she has read that book, haven't you? I've, I've gifted that book to somebody for their birthday. <laughs> well, to yourself. You. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we go. It's well thumbed through. Anyway. That's what she said. <laughs> we the question nice book. Oh, it's going well, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Very well. So tenuous. Which indie band recently released a single titled Selhurst Park? The Foals, Tiny Dolphin, The King's Parade, or Wild Front? Some of these bands I haven't heard of, but people <laughs> did me yeah. proud. I've heard of one of those bands, and it, it can't have been them, and if it is them, I'm going to be livid. <laughs> I just I just took a random click on them to be completely up front there. Someone doesn't and the answer them. is... Wild Front. <laughs> well, lucky, lucky Clicker from last week, Mikey, got that correct. And I lucky clicked and got that correct. <laughs> wild Front. Who on earth are Wild Front? They are uh, a band based in Southampton and they released the song Selhurst Park in um, during lockdown. And it's, it's not bad if you like indie music. So, so why? Why? Yeah. <laughs> oh, uh, because the lead singer uh, has a lot of fond memories from going to the football there, so it's like it features mm-hmm. in the song. So it's like, and he likes Palace, I assume. I, yeah, I mean, I didn't. doesn't. Mm. I assume it's not as a Southampton away fan. <laughs> I tell you what, let's let's have a let's have a quick bash of it. Um, I'm a little bit a uh, little bit unhappy about giving them free publicity, but let's let's have a quick play and see what it sounds like. Um, So it's a bit too snow patrol for my life and Sam. <laughs> uh, I, um, yeah. All right. I'd like to very... say Snow Patrol was the last gig I saw before lockdown. It wasn't. So Never mind. Like, yeah, so you, re- you really enjoy those small, intimate pub gigs, eh? That's, That's it, yeah. yeah. I, um, Good stuff. I've got, I've, I've, got a, I've got an admission. I like Snow Patrol. Good. Well, <laughs> other than that one gig song that they did, the... Well, really, pie, I mean, good. chocolate. Chocolate, yeah. Oh, nice chocolate. How about that. Spitting games, it's a good song. Uh, anyway, um, yeah, Question that five? was. Bit, yeah, I just <laughs> want to say that was a bit wistful for me. I like the fact it said Selhurst Park. That's the positive thing I can say about it. Well, Napalm Death are a bit wistful for me. So yeah, imagine how wistful that was. For me. <laughs> Let's carry on. It's going to get more indie, I promise. Um, so, question five. Two songs. Point <laughs> this goes so well. Two songs were released in support of the FA Cup final in 2016. One of the songs was Red and Blue Army by Fearless, but which Palace player who was in the lineup for the Cup final is Fearless's cousin? Yannick Balassi, Wilfred Zaha, Dwight Gale, or Bakri Sacco? I think I've made a mistake here because. Oh, maybe not. <laughs> Doing my quiz is probably the yeah, first that, that, mistake. 
Hooray! Get yeah. in. The answer was Yannick Balassi. I feel we'll good, feel good about that. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Me too. I don't know why I went to White Gale. <laughs> Here to start. <laughs> by the way. The other FA Cup final song was Glad All Over Again by Doc Brown. Several past or present Palace players are referenced <gasps> in the lyrics, but how many? 19, 11, Yeah, well, I pulled up the lyrics counting. Outrageous. Outrageous <laughs> question. So, I think I've... Oh, this is... I mean, yeah, we'll go logic in a second. Let's see how we did. <laughs> the answer was 15. Oh. Do not ask me to read them out. So um, you're pausing that, are you? Yeah. Okay. So let's let's get into this. Sam's called me out because she knows I don't like going for round, uh, you know, numbers that look like they've been fabricated. So mm-hmm. twenty and fifteen were immediately out. <laughs> so I was only always going to go nineteen or eleven. Who who else went nineteen with me? That would be me. Thank you very much. Well done, I'll, Patrick. We've done logical. Is this the song where he goes, "We're going to kick him with Connor Wickham, and if not, man, we got Scott Dan." Is that is that this that, song? That is the exact song. <laughs> Lyrics, man. Amazing lyrics. Amazing. Yeah. So well done, Mike and Mikey. Uh, congratulations. Well, it's, it's one you just know, isn't it? <laughs> I'm disappointed you couldn't count them in your head in 25 seconds. Right. Question seven, then. Former Palace star Ian Wright released a single in 1993, but what was it called? Do the Right Thing, Everything's All Right, So Wrong It's Right, or I Am Ian Wright, Right, Right? <laughs> oh, dear. I, I, was, I think, surely, I mean, I know the answer, uh, Well, because I had a video called The Same Thing. Oh, unless I've confused the video with the song. Anyway, let's see what happens. <laughs> it was... Do the right thing, which everybody got right, everybody and it also right. it featured in the uh, forty-seven best worst football. It's almost songs. like that was actually a bit of Palace trivia that we, you know, maybe know compared with all the others, which are just random. <laughs> Can I say, in all those circumstances, including the the correct answer, why is there not a W in front of the the right? Thank you. So it should be it's do not. the right thing. Everything is all right. So wrong, it's right. It's Ian Wright, right, right, is correctly spelled. Yeah, but the song was do the right thing with the the right spelling of right. Well, Snow Patrol could have sung that then. Anyway. Anybody could have sung it. Yeah. Question totally right eight? from Terrorvision. Anyway. It's <laughs> <laughs> bad reference. Let's move on. Which band used an image of the infamous Cantona kick as the cover of one of their singles? Feeder, The Blue Tones, Ash or Idleworld? Got the single, mate. Well, then I've definitely clicked the wrong one in panic. <laughs> because there's only one of those bands that I have any inclination to believe Mike has the single of. I, so, can I change I, my answer? I've had, no. I've had single, I've, I had the first Blue Tones single, I've had plenty of Ash singles, I've had some Idleworld singles. Not Feeder, because oh. that's, that's terrible. It was, of course, oh, Kung Fu. It was what? Kung Fu. Oh, Jesus, I had that. <laughs> in, in the note, you'll see, the song was Kung Fu and it was released in 1995 and it's amazing like every other Ash song. <laughs> but I thought if Ash... <sighs> if we're having a music round, I had to have Ash as an answer. But then I also thought that you might think it was too obvious for me to put Ash in. Exactly, that was my logic. I forgot <laughs> that I actually had that single. I'm going so- to... 
buy the t-shirt if you want. Wait, so hold on, no, are you suggesting that you thought I owned a feeder single? Is that why you went for that? <laughs> no, 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 no. I clicked that, and as soon as you said that you had the single, okay. I immediately thought, well, there's no chance that Mike will have a feeder single, so I've panicked and got the wrong one. Thank you. That's, yeah. Thank you. It's another band I've seen several times. Question nine. <laughs> oh, dear, oh, dear. I've seen everybody on that list, actually. Which Palace player featured in the Gibson Guitar Challenge in 2015? Damien Delaney, Joel Ward, Joe Ledley or Jordan Much? Taking a punt here. I'm just not, I'm, you know what I mean? You just have to, you're looking at the personalities and you're thinking who's the most likely to have done that? And I'll go on with the most likely, I reckon. But I don't know. God damn you and your questions. <laughs> the answer was... Joel Ward, oh, which nobody got. No, because he's the least likely. Even I don't know. He could pull out a Kumbaya cover, couldn't he? <laughs> <laughs> he uh, it, for the challenge, he had four lessons on the Epiphone Pro One guitar before playing a short gig with the Jellycats. Do you know what, Sam? I actually, they, they put that on a stupid website, I remember, or YouTube, and I watched it, and I still got it wrong. <laughs> they did. I remember it. But, I remember but Delaney did. was in the video for it. Right, that's why I picked him. Bloody hell. Oh, my what are um what are the jelly cats? Are they a they're thing? A, they're a, a, a ska band. Okay. Alright. I watched well, the you... whole YouTube thing. It was <laughs> Of course you did. I've done so much research for what, this. So thing. they gave him four lessons and then they made him play upstrokes. That's that's pretty harsh. Yeah. But, okay. <laughs> Can we edit in a bit of that footage? Either that or you're going to cut out me asking whether we can edit it. <laughs> yeah, do one of those yeah. two things. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, you got to leave it in now. The, the funniest thing to do is to leave that in and then not not, not include the, the... Yeah, yeah, all right. <laughs> Brilliant. Not sure why I'm wearing sunglasses inside, but um, all, the, all the cool kids do it, all the rock stars do it, so might as well, might as well try it out. So I've got one more rehearsal and then um, I'll take to the stage, so pretty nervous and uh, not sure how it's going to go, but fingers crossed I'll, I'll do well. Oh, this is close. This is really close. As you'll remember from the film quiz, Kayla the Crystal Palace <laughs> Eagles on the front cover of the Kings of Leon album, Only By The Night. Which Kings of Leon song does not appear on this album? Cruel, 17, True Love Way or Manhattan? I have no idea. I, I've never bought a Kings of Leon album. This is maybe the most tenuous, to be fair. You think? <laughs> the answer was True Love Way. Yeah, no one got it. Perfect. No one got it. I thought Mike, no you said nailed it. <laughs> So, um, <sighs> so would you like the, the, the scores on no. the doors? Yeah, please. No, I just I really, really enjoy your quiz. I so. did, we did say that we should probably strike him from the record, didn't we? Because he had seen at least some of the answers earlier in the week. Do you know what? I just realized I was playing. As the back of the neck. So I, I could have looked at the answers. I've managed, I've managed to not win, even though I was on the back of the neck. 
<laughs> well, I'm praising your honesty rather than, you know, identifying the stupidity. I think I just wanted to be on the podium. I just wanted to be in the conversation. I've done it. I'm cool. In in fourth place is Patrick with a respectable 19. In third place is Mike slash back of the nest with 21. In second place, Mr. Hambling, 30 mm. points. But in the lead, top spot, Mikey with 31. Well done, Mikey. Well done. Again. Thank you. I scored, Thank obviously, you. scoring a gentleman's 30, I did. Um, really. It's not about me. Not, not, don't want to take all the glory. In fact, give Mikey all the points and all the answers to all the questions. Am I sounding bitter again? Yes. Right, brilliant. Thanks, Sam. That was that was amazing. Um, and yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, obviously, please, please do this again next week. And I'm going to see if I can uh, work out your double bluffs next week because I think I fell foul of that. <laughs> if if the if the answer's going to be Ash, it's going to be Ash. If Ash yeah, is on is, the board, it? yeah. it's always going to be Ash. But now Ash. you've said that, it's an easy trick, isn't it? But then is it? Anyway, um, let's move on. Thanks. This is Joel Ward and the Jelly Cats. Join Joel on his musical odyssey as he combines his two greatest loves, Scar and the Lord, in one fantastic album. This once-in-a-lifetime album delivers hit after solid gold hit. Featuring modern classic, Kumbai Scar. The hauntingly beautiful Scar-mazing Grace. The message of hope and togetherness that is Scarbide with me. A call to arms in onward Christian Benteke soldiers. themed scar all over and the stunning Christmas masterpiece Scarve Maria Remember, Joel Ward and the Jellyfish is not available in the shops because not only are they not open but the whole album is a figment of the imagination of several stir-crazy podcasters And there it is, that's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Well, there you go. Second week in a row that uh, Mikey has has won, starting to get 
devastating. But there were some interesting revelations in there, Mike Scott, confessing something about Glad all over. Yeah, I mean, I have discussed it with people before in the pub after a few beers. Obviously, it means a lot to fans and stuff, but I just, I just wish we had a. I mean, even the West Ham song, the Blind Bubbles, at, at least, um, you know, there's a decent story behind it of, um, you know, a, a punk cover and that kind of stuff. Like, Glad All Over, if it had no affiliation to the club, it's just a song you'd never need to hear again in your life. It's just not very good. And Would, um, would it change your mind if you knew there was a Bon Jovi cover? I mean, no. I... <laughs> I mean, it's a, you know, if, if somebody that had been a Palace fan that was quite a credible musician had done a cover of it, fair enough. It just, and we could listen to that instead. It's just, it's, yeah. How about, how about singing it at games? How do you feel about singing it at games? Well, yeah, that's, I mean, that's the thing, obviously. I'm in Blocky and it's, it's the only thing I sort of don't, don't really chime in on that much. I, 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 if we, if, really going going with it or you know if I've had a few fair enough but um that oh, I, I kind of prefer every other song in the in in the repertoire really um I, yeah I mean it's a palace institution and what can you do but uh, you know it's just you're stuck on the phone wait you know in the queue when you're ringing up the club shop and it's on and you're just like oh god shut up can I just check just before Patrick jumps in you say you prefer every every other song. Surely you're not including the Vicente Guaita song in that. You know the one that that they don't see. He's not um, probably. I mean, yes, probably I am including that. Sorry, just... <sighs> right, at, at, least on... that, at least I'm not too jaded by that. You know, I'm I'm going on mute for a little bit. I'm going to let Patrick go, yeah, talk now. Yeah, um, sacrilegious, mate. I'm not having it. <laughs> Now, again, I'm a lot older than everyone else on this pod next to Nick. So I have a very, very sentimental thing for Glad Love, and I'll explain it very quickly. So the song came out in the 60s, Dave Clark 5, et cetera, et cetera. And um, Palace adopted it, you know, start of matches. And then at the end, if you want a match, they would play it. And the thing that was great as a, as a child, Mikey, Mike, was that um, I used to sit in the, my brother was a ball boy. So my, I'd sit in the front of the, at the Whitehall's lane end and you get to bang on the on the side so when they would when you know when they would someone come out you get to, as a kid you get to bang on it and i'm feeling glad all over it was it was just it just became part of what you were it was so good for the fans so i i actually understand why in 2020 people wouldn't understand and or like the song anymore but it's just a tradition thing and it's, i think it has a lot to do with parish probably did it sung it when he was when he was younger and we've had it for years and years nodes whatever but i just think that from a tradition standpoint, it's a brilliant song. I do understand why people wouldn't understand why we still do it. What is this now? 50 plus years later. But I'm telling you, it's just the fact, like I said, as, as a child, the memories of me getting to, you know, bang on and as that song's being played were just brilliant. And I just, that's why I really just love it. I'll never not love it. Don't get me wrong. It's like you say, just the rhythm and stuff. And it's the only song where the whole ground's, um, sings along because it, you know, the, it it absolutely includes everyone. Um, you know, just literally out of context from Palace, um, it's a fifty-year-old pop song that turned sure. up in. I mean, the question in the quiz, it literally turned up in the forty-seven worst <laughs> football songs. So. That was because of the Palace version. That was, I mean, the shell suits. The anyway, anyway, yeah. Um, 
I, yeah, look, I, I mean, in terms of a song, you know, I, I get it, but, you know, there's so much more, more to it than that, um, really. Um, I don't know. I mean, yeah, the, the, the Palace FA Cup final version was not our finest moment, um, I have to say. But and honestly, I did say this, you know, off pod in confidence, and I feel I'm going to be hung out to dry a little bit more later as well. So let's carry on. So, <laughs> well, let's let's move on to something in my um, my ongoing campaign to make everyone hate Mike Scott. Um, so, um, so um, one of the first things in our football chat this week um, is that uh, the, the official account um, put this out as on, on their website and on Twitter on socials as well. Uh, as did I on our, our Twitter account. And it's um, on the National Football Museum Strip website. That's nationalfootballmuseumstrip.com. Uh, if you go to that forward slash goat, there is a vote for the greatest of all time kit. And our kit that's in there is the sash, the famous sash from 1976 to 77. Brilliant white with the red and blue sash directly across iconic some fantastic footballers in a palace shirt wore that kit it it's unique it's you know it, it's different to even everything else on that list and there's some great kits on that list they've got next to no attention palace are way in the lead but when i first looked at it newcastle were well in the lead and it was their kit from like 95 that was just some black and white stripes but it just happened to have the newcastle brown star in the middle of it and for some reason, that you know, everyone thought that was a great kit. But there's, I love the the West Germany kit in there. I think that's a great one, despite the, um, you know, the the slight ill feeling about uh, them beating us in tournaments. And then, yeah, I I think there was a Dutch kit in there that I really liked. There was an England one in there that um, that I enjoyed as well. I remember from, I think uh, early nineties. I think I had that one, but. Um, Palace kit's absolutely storming away. And you had an opinion on the 76-77 sash kit, didn't you, Mike? Yeah, I, I mean, let's yeah, let's go there, shall we? So th- this particular um, greatest ever kit thing, um, obviously all of the votes... So the Palace kit has 64% of total votes out of 28,000 and Newcastle has 29%. So what's happened is the two clubs have got behind it and asked people to vote. So everything else has got zero. So United haven't. And, they, you know, it's the very unfortunate kit. It's the one that Cantona had in the uh, in the game against us in 1995, whenever it was, um, with the kick. So, I mean, the Sharp View Cam Black kit is unfortunate. But there's some amazing kits on here. As you say, the West the West Germany kit, the 1991 the, uh, the amazing Dutch kit from the 88 um, Euros when they won, which I, I think is probably, it's got to be up there for the best kit of all time. Um, as you say, England's 1990 kit. Uh, the Brazil 74 kit. And then there's some sketchy ones in there. There's the Wales 76 kit, which looks terrible. Um, United, uh, the USA 94 kit, which obviously, you know, fond members of probably the first World Cup I can remember, uh, Lalas and all that kind of stuff. Uh, it's not a particularly great kit. Uh, but, you know, there's a Denmark 88 kit, which is cool. Um, and th- it's simply that the Palace have a, a load of votes because the club have actually put this out there. Otherwise, um, you know, I, to me, I wasn't alive. I was I wasn't, I was years away from even being a twinkle in my real dad's eye. Um, you know, it, 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 means, <laughs> it, it, it means nothing to me. But j- just, just to, to look at the kit, to me, 
that the the early eighties kit for a start is better, but because we, you know, the, 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 it wasn't a particularly successful time for Palace. Um, it looks like to me, it looks the same kit but better. Um, and then the ones I do remember, the Fly Virgin kit, well, more than one of the Fly Virgin kits, home and away um, from you know late eighties, early nineties, excellent. And then the Evil Sash kit, I, I just to me, I, and from my own era, um, the Black Churchill kit from from. 2002, 2003, sort of, um, you know, that 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 seems to me, from just a style perspective, a better kit. Um, that's all I'm saying. Um, but, <laughs> you know, I, again, being sacrilegious and bearing in mind to the, we looked at the demographics of our listenership, I'm going to be torn to fucking shreds. So cheers, Hambo. <laughs> well, you just keep saying these things. Can I say my favourite part of that rant before I let Patrick get his proper opinion um, from someone who witnessed that kit? Um, you know, in his early forties, I um, I I have to say, my favourite part of your rant was when you said the way you said the word "real" when you said "real dad." That was uh, that was spectacular. I nearly died when you said that. Um, Patrick, your views on uh, Mike's opinion? Yes, once again, Mike, we disagree, mate. Um, seventy-six kit is that sash is it's iconic, and again, there's a there's, there's a background to it. Again, uh, Malcolm Allison. Palace manager came from Manchester City. By the way, stole their kit. That's a stolen kit, by the way. Man City wore that prior um, to us, and the reason why people love it is that Palace were really we weren't we weren't good. We got relegated three consecutive seasons, two from first to second, second to third, and then that side went on to make it the semi final of the FA Cup with Peter Taylor, etc. So I think there's a lot of uh, nostalgia to that kit. It, not a lot of success necessarily, but just nostalgia. And again, the whole reason. We had it was because Malcolm Allison came up from Man City and was a great manager before he got to us, of course, and got us relegated two, two seasons in a row. But I love the kit. And whenever we put out different versions of it, I love it. We've done it about four or five times in the last maybe two or three years. Some evil sash in black with a, you know. So the sash is always going to be something that Palace fans love. And again, because it's a time we weren't very good, but we'd had a great run in the FA Cup is why it will always stick in my head. And Peter Taylor wearing it in particular, which is, I think the picture's on the website with Peter Taylor with the long sleeve. It's a brilliant kit. I'll always love that kit. And I think I'm right in saying that um, when he broke through into the team, that uh, Kenny Sansom wore that kit as well. Absolutely did. Yep, absolutely. Vince Allaire wore it. I mean, Billy Gilbert. Yeah, it's iconic. That 77 era uh, team that got promoted back to the second division and eventually we got promoted back to the first division. They all wore a version of that kit at some point. So my question would be, if um, you weren't a Palace fan and you looked at those list of, of kits on that poll, um, you really tell me that that is a better looking kit than the 88 Holland kit. That is my, is my question. It's a great question. So I'm looking at it right now, Mike, Mike, and um, I agree that kit and that team was absolutely brilliant. I actually think that there are a couple of kits that are definitely better. Not definitely not the USA one. Is I played God awful. I hate that kit. I remember it yep. came out because I went to ninety four World Cup. Or oh, horrible kit. I like the Denmark kit. I like actually, and the team was also very good. Uh, the the uh, the two brothers that were on that team were very good. I mean, England kit. We just losing that kit. I don't like the 1992 kit. I don't like it at all. Um, yeah, I, I'd probably go with it. If I wasn't Pat, I probably would go with Netherlands. I agree with you. I think that eighty eight kit is absolutely it's iconic. Um, would hool it, yeah. It's it's a it's a great kit. I agree with you on that one. And then and then just to finish this off, um, the Newcastle kit proves it's gibberish, as you say, because I, I, I remember 
the teams playing like obviously it had the Newcastle Brown Ale thing on, but it was literally a tent. You just remember Michael Owen billowing off in this enormous kit. Um, the nineties kits, they feel horrible. Um, they're about twenty sizes too big for everyone. People have some style now. There's actually pro fit kits, um, and I think we're living in a golden age of football kits. And I want to add one more thing. I played for Whitehorse Manor, same school that Wilf Zaha went to. And we actually wore a black and white stripe. So I've got a little affinity for black and white stripes, Mike. So I might disagree with you on that, on that one. But I, you know, again, only because I went to that school. But like I said, if I was looking at it, I would go with the uh, Netherlands kit, 88 for sure. If I wasn't a Palace fan, which I am. <laughs> Yeah, look, I'll, I'll move us on as I, as I say this. I mean, you, we, you know, we've all mentioned the uh, the Netherlands kit, which is which is a, you know, I mean, the, it was Van Basten that springs to mind, and as you say, Hullet and, and Rijkaard as well, and probably a De Boer or two. But um, if if they were in by then, I think they possibly were. No, the um, other two brothers were in it. Were Ronald Koeman and Erwin Koeman were next. Oh, it's Co- yeah, the Koemans. Yeah, yeah, brothers. Um, yeah, Ronald much better than Erwin. Um, <laughs> but yes, um, but but um, a. a a mention to the Juve and, and the Milan kits from eighty nine ninety as well. I mean, those those two kits te- are pretty much classics almost every year. Um, you know, obviously very similar in the striped style, but obviously red and, red and black for Milan and um, uh, white and black for Juve. Um, do you like how I say Milan because of uh, Channel Four Italian football? So, <laughs> James Richardson made me say Milan, and I've never stopped. Anyway, uh, <laughs> let's move move on uh, from talking about that. But I mentioned um, that Kenny Sansom wore that kit when he when he broke through from the um, FA Youth Cup winning side, I think it was. And um, just want to mention some very sad news that Kenny Sansom is um, at the time of recording um, fighting for his life in hospital following a well the the reports. And again, you've got to be careful with with the media reports as to how accurate they necessarily are. There seemed to have been some sort of incident at a at a either a bar or something like that. Um, although I wasn't aware that any bars are actually open, but some kind of incident when he's been either at an event or a, or a house or something like that. Um, and seems to have um, had a fall. Whether he was helped in that fall, nobody seems to know for sure. But obviously, devastating news. He's he's had obviously well publicised troubles with alcohol. Um, and, and tried on so many occasions to beat it, and, and every time he kind of pops up in the press, it seems to have been either you know a, a new dawn for for some treatment he's trying, and then and unfortunately a, a failure later on. Um, and it's a horrible, horrible illness for for anyone to get. And yes, people will debate whether or not you call alcoholism an illness and all that kind of stuff. Well, that's not for for discussion now. But he, you know, he obviously doesn't want you know doesn't want to be in that circumstance, and he is, and it's um. It's cost him dearly this time, um, and very, very sad news. And and obviously, Patrick, you you remember him playing uh, was before Mike and I were born, and, and you know you probably have the best appreciation of what an incredible footballer he was. Is well, was at the time, but yeah, yeah. Um, as I mentioned when I did my all time eleven, you know, I, I I really don't like to idolize players, but when I Sansom came through, I was I was twelve, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen when I got to see him play. As I, I told the story again, I got to see him play um, in the youth team. And, and back then, very few matches were held actually at Sellers Park. And I happened to be, that he happened to be part of their first Youth Cup winning team. So they would put the semi-finals on there, not the finals. I think the finals that one of the years was, was at Highbury. So I got to see him come to the youth team. And again, as I said, I used to be a left back. So I you know wore number three. So the number three for Palace at the time when I was playing happened to be Kenny Sansom. And I just loved the way he played. And then again, I've always had this affiliation for young Palace talent and 
you know, thinking of that team with him, Billy Gilbert, Terry Fennick, Peter Nicholas, Vince Allaire, uh, uh, Walsh, Paul Walsh. It was just a brilliant team. And and then two years later, you know, I actually fortunately left in 79. I actually left the week before Palace got promoted. I'll never, ever forget my parents for that when I emigrated to America. So I actually missed the Burnley match. But I, I'd gone to almost every game that 78, 79 season. And I saw Kenny has to play all the time. And I absolutely, I just loved, loved watching him play. I idolized him. And, uh, you know, I was in America when he was sold to Arsenal. And it absolutely devastated me. It, no, I mean, when Don Rodgers left, it bothered me. I wasn't a big deal. And Peter Taylor left with the Tottenham, you know, bothered me, not a big deal. But when Ken Saxon was sold to Arsenal, it really, 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 really hurt me. I couldn't understand why we did it. It really bothered me. And then we got back, you know, Clive Allen did nothing for us. It made it doubly worse. And Kenny went on to go on and play for England, which he had done for Palace and won all those caps and played in the World Cup. And it was just, I still supported him as a as a person, not as a team. I hated Arsenal, but I feel so bad for him. And I've read some of the stories about him and, you know, his growing up with his mum and some troubles that he had. And then, you know, I didn't know he, that he actually drank when he was at Palace. And that's how it kind of started and troubles that he had. And I feel so bad because he's such a, he, he's such, he seemed to be a, a great person. And, as a player, again, I love to watch him play and I feel really bad. And I really, really hope that, you know, whatever he's going through, he can get over it. And, you know, I know that Palace have tried to help him. We've done some hosting at Palace and he has some financial problems. I just really hope that he comes through this because, for me, he's just a, a great player and I just love him as, a, as, a, as one. I hope he does well when he gets back. Yeah, definitely. Obviously, I desperately hope for a for a recovery and then, you know, and, and not just from, from the injuries, but from, from all of his troubles and, I hope that you know there's still people out there desperately trying to support him because you know obviously that's that's what he needs. But um, yeah, terrible news. Um, so in the interest of time, I'll, I'll move us on to the next Palace-related thing. And there's been a few stories about this and um, about Sean Dyche being identified as the the preferred choice for the next Palace manager. Uh, there's been all sorts of reactions to us talking about it on, on the socials, which typically for me I haven't actually opened for me to refer to yet, but. Um, I think probably a reaction from from those on the panel first. I mean, f- from my perspective, you know, there's been all sorts of suggestions in the past um, from people who, who know that, you know, he's wanted the Palace job in the past. And I think there was one particular time where he was very much up for it. Um, but we chose De Boer instead. Um, but definitely a, a, a divided opinion. Lots of people talking about the job he's done at Burnley and, you know, how how much he would kind of fit with the Palace way of, of operating and all this kind of stuff. And today the, the press were linking two very good players at Burnley with a move with him in Dwight McNeil and James Tarkovsky, who, both of whom I would absolutely love at Palace. But definitely mixed feelings from me. But rather than me drone on about that for the minute, I'll, I'll go to Mike first. I think you might have hit the nail on the head there in that McNeil is, is a, a rumour that's not gone away for a while. Um, and due to lack of anything to write about, I, I just feel that the, the press is linked to the two. Um, there's no question that Hodgson's planning on stopping right now. So, um, and, and Parrish, we've known in the past with Pardew, isn't quick to pull the trigger even when things have happened, unless he's heard otherwise from, you know, De Boer. But um, I just don't see where the news has come from in that... Um, Hodgson only recently extended his stay for another year. Um, so it doesn't make a great deal of sense other than filling a void of lack of news. So whatever people's opinions are, I just don't feel now's the time to really be discussing it. McNeil, on the other hand, absolutely would love him at Palace. Yeah, I mean, 
I, I, I'm more of the opinion that, I mean, not that there's necessarily a, well, I suppose there could be a, um, a, there's definitely a thought process at Palace planning for succession. You absolutely have to in the, in the circumstances. Roy will not go on forever. And you'd be extremely unwise not to have some kind of a plan in place. And personally, I'm, I'm convinced that that Sean Dyche sees Palace as his, you know, best option. He's, you know, the, the a way to further his career. And it's unlikely he, with his, you know, with the way that Burnley play and the, the type of football that they play, and you know, generally, I'll be honest, his personality, the way he comes across, he's quite a likable guy. But I cannot see him getting a top job. I, I really can't. I just don't think that that will happen. So I think. You know, he would always be looking around to see how to progress his career. You'd be, he'd be mad not to. And I genuinely think there's a huge interest from him. Personally, I, I'm, I'm not so keen, and I've got my reasons why. But let's hear from Patrick. Yeah, um, I'm not against it, um, but like Mike, I don't know. I don't really quite understand where the rumors come from. Now, I think just making up the story. I spoke to Dr. Because he, he uh, did something on it on YouTube, which we hadn't had a chance. You should. Uh, check it out everybody but um i am um, i've always been a fan of sean dyche i don't quite know why he got that nickname the ginger Mourinho, and i'm not a big Mourinho fan but you have to look at his record as a manager and i popped it up real quickly he's he did a really good job um with burnley watford not not so much i mean you know he was there for about a season they were you know they won 17 drew 17 lost uh 15 but i've but his record at Burnley on that budget has been quite good. I don't dislike his style of management either as far as the way he plays, the style of play. They got to Europa League, finishing seventh place. I guess that was the uh, the fair uh, fair play uh, reason why they got in. But, you know, he's done a really good job. And Burnley doesn't spend a lot of money. I mean, like Mike, I'm a big uh, McNeil fan, um, really big fan of his. I think he'd be a great replacement should Wilf leave, God forbid. Tarkovsky's a decent uh, centre half. Has gotten into the England squads before. Um, I, I'd, I'd like it. He's, he's got he's got the youth. The thing is, I'm concerned at the fact that I know that somebody had mentioned that he definitely had been linked uh, with us with the ball, and he, he was kind of slighted when we when we picked the ball over him. So, is it a, an upward step for him? I guess he would see it as that way. We're a London club, etc. But in the uh, Premier League longer than Burnley has, but. I don't know. I mean, again, I'd like the move. I just don't see where this rumor has a lot of foundation to it. It makes sense during the, uh, you know, this lockdown to come up with stories that, you know, to, to kind of have a story out there. But I just don't see. It just sounds a little bit actually, for me personally, too good to be a past rumor because that would prove that we actually have a plan uh, post Hodgson, which I don't think we do only because, uh, you know, that's not how we do things. But I, I like him as a manager. I actually spend a lot of time. Don't judge me on YouTube um, oh, during lockdown. I've seen a lot of his interviews. Comes off really, really well. I like the way he talks. I mean, he's got that real gravelly voice. But he's got a great personality. He doesn't duck um, uh, con- controversy with asked a question during press conferences. He's an honest person when he talks. And, um, you know, I, I know he, uh, he also, you know, he played under um, uh, Brian Clough. He's got really good pedigree as far as, um, you know, a, an upbringing. He understands the game. I, I, I'd like the move if we were to do it. I just don't have a belief that it'll actually get done. Well, I mean, there was huge reaction on Twitter from this from from followers. Um, Ryan Corbett, why would he come to us when he's at a similar team? I mean, we've all been to Burnley. That's reason enough. Um, <laughs> Matthew Knight's sooner the better. Um, 
Charles Meyer, I think he'd essentially do what Roy is doing now, but slightly better and involve subs more. Uh, okay, I mean, fair enough. Nathan Fletcher, lots of Premier League experience. Uh, I think it boils down to the fact that there's too many ifs and buts in this story. I mean, Burnley have got their own trip to make in life in the next year. Um, be interesting to chat about, but I think this would, it's too soon to be talking much more about it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And look, much the same on Facebook as well. I, I, you know, the general consensus is most people seem to be keen and talking about the facts. So Huey Russell, Russell, for example, saying that he's our kind of manager for sure. And uh, rather him than anyone too experimental. Um, and he, he mentions De Boer um, as a kind of cautionary tale in there. Um, Paul Holland went with probably, which I enjoyed as well. But, um, you know, just, just to round that off in, in terms of my view, I think... I think, Patrick, you said about him as a person, I really, really like, you know, as you say, he's very straightforward, very honest. The doubt I have is, you know, do Burnley play the way that they play and sign the players that they sign? Because that's the best thing that he can do with the budget that he's got. Or does he genuinely believe that being very physical, (laughs) uh, you know, the standard 4-4-2, two big men up top, hit the channels, get the crosses in the box. I mean, for some people, that is bliss because some lots of people fondly remember 442 yeah. and they, you know, they, they fondly remember banging the crosses into right and bright and <laughs> would love to go back to those days. And I don't necessarily think that we as a club now, without major squad surgery, which to be fair, we need anyway, would be able to, to deliver that. And um, I would be concerned that we would have to take some steps backwards before we could go down that route. So, that that's the big question does he have in his you know in his toolbox if you like to actually play a different way um you know use the player a different set of players that play in a, to a different style play a bit of counter attacking you know use pace on the out wide but you know keep the ball down you know let's face it roy has is, is very much got us playing you know ball to feet really and um to to mixed success at times in in some games but almost ironically what De Boer promised Roy has actually delivered over a period of time so I I have concerns that he is the fit that everybody thinks he is but as we say you know at the moment it's not going to happen and and Roy has another year and quite rightly but personally I think there is there's an element in there of Palace will be looking to the future and as will Sean Dyche and I think that's it's not beyond the realms of possibility so we were going to talk a little bit about Project Restart. I'll just mention that um, obviously the, the sort of a, the green light almost has been given to restart games from June the nineteenth, and UEFA have also announced that they're intending to complete the European program by the end of August. But seeing as those dates are in the future, we can kick that on for another week. I'll just very quickly mention um, talking about right and bright and crosses and all that kind of stuff. There was an interview with Steve Koppel, which I'll be honest, I haven't watched in full yet. I just looked at a couple of the um, articles off of the back of it. And I know you watched it, Patrick, but um, I enjoyed the story from Koppel about Bright getting angry after a 6-0 win and throwing his boots around because people hadn't passed to him. And there was mentions in there about how hard Wright and Bright were on wingers who weren't putting crosses in. And I kind of imagine what they'd be like today. But um, <laughs> de- um, I didn't watch the 1990 final rewatch because just like I wouldn't watch the replay or watch the final from 2016, it's just tinged with sadness. So I can't, I can't possibly rewatch it. Um, but Patrick, any any immediate thoughts on that? Yeah, interview was good. Um, I like Sir Steve. He's a... Uh, he's- 
quietly reserved and but it's a very good storyteller if you can get him to tell the stories and I think uh that interview pulled out some great stuff um yeah I, I think the, the bright thing's funny because I know that they did that to Salako a lot they would they would they would absolutely murder him if he didn't put crosses in and uh ironically the cross he put in for the in the FA Cup final <laughs> for Ian Wright was absolutely spectacular for the uh the three two goal when we went up so um yeah uh I did watch it um Tinge with, you know, that sadness, but I can watch it up to 3-2. I mean, it's easy to just stop it after Ian Wright puts us ahead, and I just dream that we won the Cup, so I don't think it's a hard <laughs> to watch it, Logan, stop it right there. Yeah, I, I've not watched it since seeing it. It was it was only the second Palace game I ever saw wow. after seeing yeah, the, the semi-final. Right? Yeah, right. Um, so I had, I had the euphoria and the devastating heartbreak. Well, obviously the third game is the real heartbreak, but I can still see in my mind, it's etched in there, the Mark Hughes volley. It's just there. It's just, I say, you know, the way he drove that in. Right. I just want to add, there was also an interview with Nigel Martin with Gary O'Reilly, which is very long, but also very good. But one thing that was interesting during that, they talked about um, the final and then the replay. And they were, you know, the biggest question always is, why didn't we start in right in the the replay? And O'Reilly pointed out, which I didn't realise that, um, or actually Nigel Martin pointed out, that um, Martin was on a uh, England... uh, duty with Gary Pallister and Gary Pallister said that he was so happy we didn't start him right in, in the second game because he was petrified to face him again so it goes back to that question about you know what if couple I'm not questioning because you know it is what it is had started him right in that game because for a fact we know that um but United were worried about him in that second match but the thing was obviously coming off the double double leg break that season could he have started how long would he lasted for etc cetera, etc cetera. I mean that replay is absolutely god awful to think about and or watch but you know it's interesting that you know Martin said that United were fearing Ian Wright starting and we didn't start him so I mean again history being what it is but that would have been interesting how we started him instead of not yeah I'm still gutted they didn't start Jim Layton in the replay to be honest with you so (laughs) you're right (laughs) never played for him again I don't think um yeah there we go anyway Mike a couple of bits from you on the on the document so I'll hand over to you is Jim Layton dead or am I is that Let's see, Lee, his replacement. Yeah, okay. yeah unfortunately. Yeah. God rest his soul. Uh, okay, uh, a bit of other news. Um, so, uh, the Josh Meyer room is the only ones I can really, the only one I think is really worth mentioning. So, um, the oh, the Sun, the Sun, sorry, people, um, said a while ago that us and West Ham were interested uh, in him. But uh, more importantly, um, over the last few days, a French source uh, called Le Ten, um, or I'm not sure how that's pronounced in French, um, has said that Bordeaux need the money um, and they're willing to sell him um, this summer or whatever, you know, however this summer works out. So obviously he, he was he was in the, the Palace Youth set up um, from Lewisham. Uh, so hopefully he's got some, some fond memories of that um, and it could be one of the Few times that we pip West Ham to uh, to a bid, um, but he does look like a, a decent a decent option uh, for yeah. some goal for it. In the um, obviously the Sunderland till I die um, first series, wasn't it, Patrick? I think you've probably seen that as well, haven't you? Yeah, I watched both of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, we were definitely interested then. Um, I think I don't know if it actually says it in the in the documentary, but yeah, there was a lot of teams looking at him uh, before his agent moved him abroad, but. Um, yeah, one we one we lost, as you say, uh, Mike from the youth team. But he looked a real talent. He, even what you saw from the, in that documentary. I mean, I've obviously not watched too many games that he's actually played in, but 
he just had that hunger for goals. And I, yeah, I, I dare say he'd do pretty well for us. He's certainly the sort of player I'd like to see us get. Yeah, in the first one, he was coming through the ranks. The second one, he was actually on fire. He took him to promotion spots. So I didn't like the way that played out. I mean, it was great insight, the second one, as to how things worked out. But I always got the feeling, even though I knew it was going to happen, that the agent was always going to move him on to a European side just for the money. Um, the kid came off really well, by the way. I think, that, I mean, I don't know if he was faking it, but during during that show, I didn't think he really wanted to leave. And he kept saying, people asking him rumors, you know, are you going to leave? And he's like, no, I'm happy here. And it was doing great. And as soon as they sold him, they were done. They were never getting promoted. Um, from what I saw in that show, what I know of him, he's a, he, I love him. In the, he's very quick in the box uh, as far as goal scoring. But again, I just can't deal with rumors uh, uh, during the lockdown about Palestine players. But you know, <laughs> if it ever happened in a perfect world, I'd love to see him come to Palace. No, yeah, I think that the key to take from this is that, that Bordeaux are, are cash strapped and yeah. are looking to sell on. Uh, I, I don't doesn't seem like they'd want to. You know, he scored six out of fifteen games in Liga on this season, so um, I'm sure they'll be pretty gutted to get rid of him. Obviously, Nigerian international as well. But one last piece of news: um, PVA got in hot water for. Um, making statements about how he said that um, Aaron Wambasaka was better than Terence, Terence, Alexander Arnold, uh, Trent, Trent, yeah, Terence, sorry, Terence, Trent Derby, yeah, yeah, that's what you're thinking. Is Terence, <laughs> yeah. Terence, is uh, Terence Trent Derby definitely? Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, Alexander Arnold. So he ended up saying he had to he had to clarify on Twitter. Uh, I see some of you getting your feelings about AWB versus TAA to be. And this is to the point. So we've got PVA discussing AWB and TAA. That's, uh, that's getting a bit silly. But uh, Trent is a fantastic fullback. All I'm saying is defensively, AWB is one of the hardest players in the league to beat one-on-one. That's all I've said. Now you can debate. So, yes, he had to um, backtrack a little bit on that. Uh, he got a lot of shit. Uh, as you would when you say anything about a Liverpool or United player. Yeah, absolutely right. Um, you know, obviously we had that debate as well. And, you know, that's a well-established opinion that one's better defensively than the other is going forward. And then there's arguments either way. Um, you know, Wampersack would definitely improve in that respect. And, you know, but you have to admit that Alexander-Arnold is a an incredible technical footballer. Yes, he gets caught out of the back sometimes. He's got a very strong defence around him. Um, but... At the same time, he doesn't get to practice defending too much in games, does he? So who knows? Um, but yeah, yeah, a bit silly to get involved in that to to a point. But I guess the, the players are pretty bored as well. Um, so just finally, that's that, that'll do for football. Just a quick quick check, really. Um, so first of all, I'll start with you, Mike, because you know um, Patrick, it might be a little different from you over in the US, and we can get your US update. But you know, with the with the slightly confusing um, interpretive changes to lockdown um what difference has it made to your life right now what are you doing differently if anything um it's I, I, i'm a man that enjoys a walk um so it's nice to know that i can do that um possibly we'll have to go back into the office a little bit um not not massively um i mean i'm quite philosophical on it and and as i pretty sure i've had it um it doesn't doesn't feel I, i'm not Worried. I'm not walking around with a face mask in the same as everyone else. I'm just keeping out of people's way more for for them than for me, really. Um, so it's not made a massive difference. Um, but definitely, I was on the beach today and I quickly got off it because, or the path, the promenade by the beach because it was absolutely packed, and people are thinking that lockdown is over. And it's- yeah, I was gonna, 
I was going to say that part. You've, in, you've introduced another thing that's quite interesting to me as well. But I've actually, I've been to be honest, I've gone out less because I'm just, I just know I can hear outside my house just how many people are out and about, and uh, you know, there's quite clearly people just meeting up with whoever they want to meet up with and doing whatever the hell they like. It's um, it's quite disturbing. I really hope in a couple of weeks' time we don't see some extremely negative results off the back of that. Really, uh, and I'm slightly annoyed that it wasn't a bit more clear the message that was given but I, I am interested in terms of the effect it's had on you mentally to because you know you're pretty sure that you you did get a, a very mild form of covid um and you know how how much of a difference has it made to to you know to your mental state to you in terms of you being fairly you know comfortable with the fact that you're um you're unlikely to get it again i mean i'm quite masochistic anyway um and i, I was happy to to get it because I'd rather get it out of the way. Um, so not not massively, uh, but I think people that are worried about it that do end up getting it and recovering, um, they will feel a lot better mentally. There's there's no question, um, and you also know that you, you you're not going to infect anyone else, um, which is which is nice as well because you know there are situations where you, you know in the supermarket or something you do suddenly find yourself way less than two meters away from someone it, it can't be helped occasionally um and it, it's to know that you're not going to be contagious is, is it's it's quite nice yeah i gotta say um yeah i'd quite like that feeling given the fact i'm an overweight diabetic it's really nice to see all the terrifying stuff in the news at the minute but how much more risky it is for me so um i'm i'm, I'm erring on the side of caution personally patrick how's it going for you yeah um just a talk about Mike just said you know I was actually of the same mindset in the beginning um unfortunately like you Chris I live with a diabetic my wife's a diabetic so I've got to be very careful when I do go out I don't go out very often but um I actually always thought to myself you know what I wouldn't mind just getting it obviously recovering because if you don't recover that's a problem and uh you know but they over here they're saying that it's not true that you just necessarily had the antibodies and never get it again so I'm worried about, I heard that in the beginning scientifically, but I'm hearing that might not be true. So that kind of scares me. Um, overall, um, I just found out today, today's seven, day 78 of the lockdown. I can't believe it's only 78. It feels like a 378 days so far. I was watching a news conference by our uh, governor today of New York State. He said it's only day 78, which shocks me. I feel like it really feels a lot longer than that. It's, it's been tough mentally. I mean, not being able to go out. My wife refuses to go out. She's definitely afraid. When I go out, I'm always afraid of, you know, what I might bring back into the house, which is also very scary. Um, as far as like the general mindset in this country, you've got to, uh, in New York State, sorry, because every, every state's different in America. We have a, uh, a person that heads of government who get put out very strange uh, rules. So we basically followed our own rules by each state. We have to, you have to wear a face mask whenever you go shopping. So if you don't, they want you in the shops. So that's not going to happen. But people over here are pretty good as far as like, social distancing, wearing gloves, wearing masks. I don't get the scene that, you know, I live on a very small road, um, not a lot of houses, and people don't really go outside. You see them out in the front sometimes sitting outside, but they don't, there's not partying going on and stuff like that. So that's, people are taking it seriously where I am, but I do feel like in the country in general, there's a, there's a tons of protests going on about open up America and there have been states like Texas opened up too quickly and they've already had a spike in, in the infection rate. So that's going to be a problem. So um, it's, it's been, it's been surreal. I'll be happy when this is over, but I'm not one of those who wants it to end just to have it end. I get the economic and impact it's having around, but I'd rather be safe. I've, 
watching a lot in what's going on in England. I think the school openings is absolutely madness. Having little children go back in this in this time is absolutely crazy. They're going to try and say the same thing in America, but not until post-September. But I just think that's the worst decision you'll ever make, bringing little kids into this into an area where they can't understand about washing hands every five minutes and being apart from each other. But but again, hopefully, like I said, soon we'll have where we know we'll be all be back to normal in, in some way. Indeed, yeah, you know, difficult times for all, and um, yeah, I just hope hope everybody keeps you know themselves and their families safe and does their best to you know not have any sort of ambiguity from the message and just thinks seriously about protecting themselves and each other uh, in the same way because you know the quickest the quickest way it'll um you know it'll end is if everybody you know respects the logical rules that are out there. You know, I was really disappointed to see the protests in in this country. Um, you know, lots of people talk about civil liberties and all that kind of stuff, and the five G bullshit came back, and I just like it's 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 frustrating, and I and I'm sure those people genuinely believe in, in what they're saying, um, but it's not really about that. And to what end? I don't you know. This is obviously not a political show, and I promise I'll, I'll stop my rant. But you know, I don't I don't understand to what end people think that anyone would have anything to gain. You know, I'm I'm not a big supporter of. You know the the Tory party. You know, hand on heart. You know that's. You know, it's not it's not my way of thinking. Um, but I can't understand what people think that, that anyone's trying to achieve by shutting down economies and restricting movement from people. Why that seems to be it, that's the missing part for me. And all these people that believe in all these conspiracies and this this you know this kind of civil liberty thing. It's like there's no benefit to doing it that would make this sort of plan work in anyone's favour so what's what's the argument I don't know and I don't know and this is probably not the time for me to start thinking about it so um, obviously thank you very much to Mikey for producing for Patrick and Mike for joining me today for Sam for once again setting up a a wonderful quiz um, that we all thoroughly enjoyed um, please do stay safe and um, yeah keep listening to our output Uh, and keep contacting us get in touch we want to hear from you as much as you hear from us because we're lonely all right (laughs) anyway until next time back of the chest coronavirus self-isolation podcast it's the 90th minute all your mates around you've got your mcnugget share boxes ready to go Your mate's already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.